Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... It's an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Morning, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, me. Welcome back, Jason. I missed you. I missed I, you, too. I, you know, I didn't tune in. I really thought that I would. But no, we knew that you didn't. The, the time change thing <laughs> was a little bit different. I did get some feedback, though. It sounded like you guys really missed me. Oh, we did. We did, definitely. I heard that you guys did great, though. There was plenty of talking. Um, you got to panic a little when you realize the guy that talks for the 110 of the 120 minutes isn't going to be there. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> There's a, I could smell the fear in Wes, but he, he got through it. Wes is a champ. He's a seasoned professional by now. We did great. Um, and we were... We had a bunch of listener phone calls, a lot of scenario phone calls, Um Probably had 10 or so callers yeah, during the show. 10, had to turn a couple away. There were so many. Man, maybe I but should yeah. miss the show more often. It was a good show. I thought, um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about interest rates. That was pretty much the the topic of the entire day. Um, so today we're probably going to vary it up a little bit. Oh, you don't want to talk about We're going to ease you back in. Ease you back in. Well, tell me how Hawaii was. Uh, it was amazing. It drops to roughly 79 at night. <laughs> Gets to a, a nice 82 during the day. Um, little sprinkle rain showers every day. White sandy beaches. Had a good time. Oh, a great time. I think we did come to the decision, though, too, that next time you go to Hawaii, we have to take the show on the road. There you go. Yeah. On location. Makes sense. Jim's going to drag the whole board. Yeah. Then we could is. write it off. That'd be perfect. <laughs> See, there it is. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah, no, it was a it was a phenomenal time. Um, I I'm still trying to get back into touch with reality, though. I know you guys have probably experienced it where you go away for just long enough where you start to almost forget what reality is really like. You you just lose touch ever so slightly. Oh yeah, I gotta come back and make some more money so I can take another vacation again, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is it's that just, reality. I I nearly tried to stay for another week, but it felt like it would be immature or irresponsible. But it's good to be back. I'm glad to be back. There's vacation is fun. It's always so nice to get back to your house where everything's known and you have your creature comforts in your own bed. Love love my own bed. So yeah, good times. Well. We have a guest on the show today. So the we middle do. hour, we're going to have a, a builder for uh, G.J. Gardner join us. Yeah, right. Russell Goldman is going to be joining us. He's the the franchise local franchise owner of G.J. Gardner. Um, they're a home builder here on the Central Coast. They've been around for a while, but only recently did Russell take over the, the G.J. Gardner name. And uh, I had the opportunity to meet with him two Fridays ago. So we're going to welcome him on the show just about 20 minutes. Um, so in the meantime, we've got a little bit of headlines and business to cover. Where do you want to start? You want to talk rates? You're supposed to go away on vacation. Rates just fall. That's what I And was then you come back into the 
into the good times Just again. stepping into the, oh, my goodness, we're so busy because rates are so low thing. I really thought that was going to happen. Um, you know, I mean, mainly because I, as we talked before I left, I thought so much of this recent little hoopla around all of the volatile market i guess i guess that's how we could just say it it's volatile isn't it isn't it crazy again all of a sudden we're back to the dow is down a 100 points one day and up 100 points the next day and and we kind of got away from that for a little bit yeah it's very volatile and even more than than the volatility is the disconnect between the stocks and bonds and mm-hmm. um and mortgage rates mortgage rates don't even seem to be tied to bonds anymore it's really odd um what the markets are are doing it's just all over the place unpredictable well and and nothing has actually really changed right so isn't it doesn't it just have to be an overreaction that's what i keep wondering well everything seems to be it, it's based on uncertainty again and uncertainty's been the 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 name of the game in the economy for um 5 6 years now but it's it's showing itself in a different form it seems like now we're seeing really unpredictable volatility where at least before it was kind of predictable we knew the uncertainty led to a lot of investment in um secure safe investments like bonds treasuries mortgage backed securities and now the uncertainty is you know positive data leads to uh, a down day in stocks and bonds that don't connect with stocks and it's just it's all over the place it's really odd it seems like every day that there's positive news there's more speculation that the fed is going to pull out of their bond buying which is in turn causing fear in the stock market that the only reason it's going up that the stock market's been so bullish is because of the fed involvement so all kinds of things happening and it's all based on the what's the fed gonna the fed's driving the ship right now and they have a very very important meeting coming up on uh the 18th and 19th of this coming week so what I thought was particularly interesting, and, and I doubt it would surprise you to know that I I couldn't totally turn a blind eye to all the market stuff while I was gone. It, it interests me genuinely. So I was reading these things and, of course, on you know, looking at the employment reports and stuff, and um, I couldn't help but, but look at the uh, employment numbers here for May that came out um, and looking at the uh, – Unemployment rate ticks up a little bit. We created 175,000 jobs. Not great, not terrible, just kind of all right. Um, But seeing the unemployment rate move up a little bit reminds us that we're going the opposite direction from the 6.5% that the Fed wants us to have. Um, Also looks like we're not quite hitting those taper numbers. You know, like stimulus is going to probably be over at 6.5%. But the taper will is likely to begin, you know, as we get as we approach that number. So watching the, those figures come out, and it was spun pretty beautifully, like you said, to have a pretty bizarre impact on the market. What should have been like by normal dissemination of these numbers should have helped us out in the interest rate market a little bit, calmed some of that uncertainty. Instead, got people reeling that. Um, there's basically just hey here's some volatility for you and and if anything it it reminded me that 
the Fed's involvement, the monetary um, policies of the last few years, whether or not you agree with them, have been pretty good about taking out some of the uncertainty. The most uncertain times I can think of through this recession have been um, as each of these programs is winding down or the speculation now that it's winding down causing so much volatility. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, and and if you look across the Atlantic Ocean to our, our neighbors over in Europe – they have hit recent highs in unemployment, over 12%, six quarter in a row of um, negative GDP for them. So it seems like right now, you know, our our tactics have, have worked out better um, than just the hard-nosed um, – you know what have they? What, what's their term? Yeah, it's a, it's escaping me right now. I, I was <laughs> just gonna say, I think it's kind of funny that since a housing became something to talk about, we forgot about Cyprus and Greece and all these other problems around the world, and all we talk about now is how great housing is. So that's that's interesting to me. All of the problems all still exist. We just focus only on housing now, and that's been enough to somehow begin the the increase in rates and, and upswing in the economy. And so yesterday, I, I saw on CNBC a lot of the a lot of the folks talking, and for the first time, they they were paying they they were actually having a, a roundtable discussion about what's normally a ho hum number mortgage applications. It's mm-hmm. usually not a market mover. It's just something to let us know what mortgage activity is doing, and um, they're keeping a close eye on that now to see how this recent run up in rates is affecting the the entire housing market. They're looking at both refinance applications and purchase applications um, to see if if even just a half point increase in rates that we saw in May could have a, a big impact in the housing market. What's because your, that really has been the only driver of this economy. So up to I want to put you on record here. What's your prediction then about mortgage applications? I mean, they've been down several weeks in a row, particularly on the on the refinance side. Um, but I, I mean. We've we've talked about this. We qualify a lot of homeowner or home buyers who are at those upper limits of the the allowable debt to income ratios, and it only takes a couple of factors. I mean, there's it only takes a small increase in the home prices, which we've been seeing year over year for 14 straight months now, um, and or a slight increase in interest rates for those folks who are pushing those upper debt to income ratio limits. They, they, they can be knocked out of quality. They won't be buyers anymore. Yeah, and a lot of people that have lost their um, – And these uh, – and I want to I want to emphasize that, I mean, these are pushing the upper limits of debt-to-income ratio that we're allowed to do today. <laughs> the the QM or the – QRM. Quali- QRM, the Qualified Residential Mortgage um, Criteria that still hasn't been fully implemented would actually lower those allowable debt ratios by about – Seven on FHA, um, as much as twelve percent. Almost sounds like you're predicting predicting the next uh, deflationary cycle of home values. Well, I, I think there's room. <laughs> That's the sky is falling. I think there's room in housing right now to knock out some of the buyers um, and not lose the momentum because of the. Sure. You know, we're in a uh, we're still not in a normal housing market. We've got we're now back to. The overbidding, the multiple offer thing, I, I think normal would be healthy with just 
you know, three to I, six months marketing. I, I time. talked about this with Les. You know, a sixty to ninety day marketing time, a counter offer situation where both parties agree on a on a price and and terms that are maybe not the most ideal for either side. But you know, I think that's a that's a normal market that we need to get. I to. had five appraisals in the last month come in just a little bit short of the purchase price because it's just the market pushed it beyond what the comps could justify and that that kind of happens periodically when it becomes the norm you know that the market's a little bit overheated and 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 it really occurred to me that feels overheated when it's happening um in that case it's it's happening about 30 percent of the time um you know over a relatively short period of time there but um makes me think that the market is in fact a little bit overheated so but so I, what I'm really interested to see is when the feds do release their minutes, um, logically, wouldn't aren't you just begging them to make some kind of comment about when they do intend to pull this out? I mean, we understand that six and a half has been that magic number. We also know that they're going to taper. Um, wouldn't it make sense for them to reveal a little bit about the tapering? Hey, it's been $85 billion a month. Here's the taper plan. We're going to go a month at 80 We're going to go a month at 75 a month at 70 and give you guys plenty of time to, to safely find yourself a spot in the new market. Um, and right now, because you just don't know, is it going to go from 85 to 42 to 21 and then done in the third month or something? And, and I don't know that anybody expects the feds to do something too quick and stupid, but just the spectacular. Speculation of it is enough to keep the market just reeling right now, and so I think the volatility recently is is begging for that. Be, do you think it'll be enough that we'll actually hear them? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that they they're they they're they're being put in a position right now to Get give it pin down a little. Yeah, provide some clarity on the plan. You know, the timeline, the the plan. I I think as far as how the easing is going to look, I think we're actually. As, as we reflect back on, especially in the bond market, what the bond market trading ranges have been over the last year or so, I think we're seeing that we're already in a tapering kind of trend right now. Think back, <clears throat> excuse me, about a year ago, we were in kind of a – at the lows, We I um, looked some numbers up, and it was July of last year that we hit the low in the 10-year yield on the Treasury note, about 1.3-something percent, 1.38%. And it was in a trading range basically around one and a half to one and three quarters. And then as the year went on, it moved up into the 1.6 to 1.8. And then it moved into the first quarter and it was the 1.8 to 2, 1.75 to 2. And now we're in kind of a, you know, low ones. Well, lately it's just been like a two to two and a quarter trading range. So we're kind of seeing that tapering and we're, we're looking at these other numbers now. We're starting to look at the mortgage applications and look at, at hiring and seeing how these numbers are improving, well, not improving, staying stable with these gradual and increases And the reason in to pay rates. close attention to the mortgage application stuff, of course, is when you look at the quarterly bank profits, they break out what segment of their bank, what sector is producing um, profits to the company. The mortgage uh, originations have been 
hugely profitable for these banks and have been one of the driving forces in their balance sheet recoveries as well as, you know, then increased investor morale and therefore increased stock prices, which is then bolstering the earnings. It, it It's kind of a self-feeding deal. If you suddenly take out 70% of the mortgage origination income out of these banks, maybe the bank then going to have a loser quarter or a break-even quarter, which then kind of gets everything undermined again. We start to have that lack of confidence and wondering if the financial system is actually okay. And you see that whole tailspin begin again. So paying close attention to that, I think, is going to be where a a lot of focus will be throughout the next few months as things start to go up and and decide whether or not we're, you know, because we always give this analogy, at least I do. It's kind of like the training wheels thing here. You know, we the feds have been we've just been on training wheels for long enough. And right now it feels like we've got, you know, kind of like dad's handlebar under the seat there and her hand on the handlebar and under the seat. And they want to know if it's okay to let go or not, but this is a little bit shaky and it's a little bit sketchy. And now we're, we're really feeling that volatility. I, I am okay with interest rates going up. I know that it's inevitable and I know that it's part of uh, the next step in our healthy recovery. Uh, I don't really want to see it move so rapidly as it has. Um, it was just a short six to eight weeks ago that 3.25% was like a no points interest rate on a 30 year. And it seemed like every single week we watched that go up by an eighth of a point to where today that number is pushing 4% for most banks. And that's a pretty sharp increase pretty quick. And um, it, it seems to me what makes me nervous about it is if you do, if you drive the mortgage applications into the dirt right out of the gate, undermine the bank earnings, kind of grind all this stuff to a halt so quick, it could have a really detrimental impact. So I do hope that the feds recognize that and make some statements, some clear statement that provides a little bit of a timeline or a detail to when they may begin and what the tapering will look like. It'd be nice if they said that the tapering was something that would happen over a two-year period of time, something like this. So that way we don't have to we don't have people like Bill Gross trying to figure out how to bail Pimco out of the market in three or four months. I mean, this guy, as an example, he's fun to talk about. He's always quoted every time we talk about the bond stuff. Um, he thinks that the bond market's been overheated for quite a while and has been taking investments out for a good long while. And I think probably pretty happy right now to see that the bond market um, is kind of going nuts, but but sort of suffering too. I mean, one of the reasons we're seeing these higher yields is that there isn't a good attraction there in spite of things that, that generally would be driving us into that safe investment um, we don't even know if that's a safe investment right now. And so that lack of comfort and safety in there means that the yields are going up to keep attracting the buyers. And it's kind of a funky thing. And to see that happen on the same day that the Dow loses a bunch of money is a pretty bizarre financial feeling. On the flip side, I did hear one trader yesterday suggest that if the economy does slow down, if we do see mortgage applications really slow down um we see housing start to suffer a little bit just anything like that that they could actually see a scenario where the fed increases their bond purchases 
So there's some differing opinions right now on Wall Street about you know, what that could didn't happen. even occur to me yet. <laughs> that honestly didn't occur to me. And when you first say it, I kind of think, well, that's pretty nuts. It seems ridiculous, um, but but truly, though, as an investment, how how have these uh, bond purchasing programs been going? Pretty good, and they've been making a decent amount of money on it. So if you if you add up just recently, I mean, we know it's about housing and jobs, right? Uh, this last jobs report, I don't care how you sugarcoat it or want to talk about the participation rate or whatever. Um, we had a, a pretty mediocre edition of 175,000 jobs. Um, we still have initial jobless claims. The four-week moving average is around 350,000, which is okay. It's not great. Hey, but the unemployment rate went up. So if now action in the financial market starts to punish housing while unemployment is not clearly recovering, then maybe it would be time to step it back up again and stick with the game plan. That would be fun. I'd, I'd be into that. Uh, it would be great, of course, for us. I, I, I think it's kind of funny, too, because I was thinking about this recession, Dan. We had two times already, two times, and they kind of correlated with the previous two bond buying programs here. Um, Two times rates spiked, and two times people were left going, "Oh, I was the one waiting for the three percent, or I was gonna I, the the thirty year was getting down to two percent before I went and did the refi." Um, I still am talking to people. I got a couple phone calls just yesterday, first day back in the saddle. Um, two friends of mine, both sitting on four and five eights, wondering if it's a good time to refi. And I look at it and I go, yeah, sure. We can get you down to 4%. That's pretty good. That's better than what you have. Um, you're a total knucklehead for not getting to three and a quarter when you could have. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. So could it happen again? Would it happen again? Maybe. It, it, it sure could. It's been this way twice already. We saw a little uptick where people thought they missed the bus, and then they came back and got one later. So I, I'd welcome it. On the jobs front, um, I did see an article that job openings fell in the month of April. So that could be something that, that bleeds through the employment numbers in the coming months. If, if there's less jobs available for those seeking um, and we have more people out looking that we we heard about in this last unemployment report. We could see um, some more uptick in the unemployment rate. So it'll be interesting to see how all this progresses. It does seem like all the numbers are better than where they were coming from a few years ago, but they're not great. They're just did we want to? They're we just wanna, better than they were. Did we want to get through this recession so bad that we like really celebrated? Um, first glimpses of recovery numbers and, and jump the gun on it. And now we, you know, maybe we just needed a little more time uh, before we started real estate appreciating like crazy and started really buying into this fake unemployment number. And the, uh, I don't know, who who knows? It's really difficult to say. Well, Americans' confidence has waned a little bit in the most recent reading. That was another just number. Was just last, Dan, my last <laughs> time on the show here was the highest it had been in five years. Well, it's down now. It's down, and it's down lower than economists had estimated. Americans' confidence weakened, or American confidence in the economy weakened in June. <clears throat> so maybe there's the first sign of the 
the letdown, the little bit of a letdown that people are feeling that, hey, maybe we still have a little more ways to go to get this economy back on track. It's that recovery hangover. It is. Hey, and just because it relates to the job things that we've been talking about, and I don't want to have to come back to this later, um, just making the headlines again, Chase is adding to um, their number of jobs cut out of their mortgage division within their bank. And I think this is kind of coincides a little bit with how they see the future volumes going within their company. Um Chase is one of the companies, by the way, that pulled out a wholesale lending. So they were, they were, they were the smartest, <clears throat> smartest bank in the room that didn't want to deal with uh, the sound origination platform of mortgage brokers. But they're pruning fifteen thousand jobs out of its mortgage business, um, looking to to add another eighteen hundred in this most recent cut. They're they're taking four thousand jobs out through two thousand thirteen. So. Those kind of announcements like that don't seem to help either when you have companies like Chase that are looking, you know, and, and yeah, of course, 15,000 jobs is really a drop in the bucket, but you don't really want to hear about jobs being lost when it seems that every every goal for our nation here is to add as many jobs as possible. Hey, guys, we got a time on the clock at 1030 means that we got our guests coming in here so we got to do the commercial break take time out to thank the sponsors uh go refill your coffee water yourselves we got uh a builder here from gj gardner coming in and uh, we're really excited about the conversation to talk a little bit about the goings-on of uh construction around the county here so stick with us after this short break with more mortgage matters For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. The City of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Morro Bay Mile Skateboard Push Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louie Ortega. And, of course, the star of every Morro Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blast off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Stacks Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrobay4th.org. That's morrobay4th.org. 
Borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars for a home purchase or refinance can be a stressful endeavor. And if you're like most Californians, you only get a home loan once every five years. That's why you need an experienced guide who knows the terrain and can carry the load of two mules. You need the Mortgage Sherpa, and he's only at Central Coast Lending. Let the Mortgage Sherpa lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Watching the sun bake All of those tubes covered with oil Strumming my six string All right, everybody, welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters. Engineer Jim's just trying to make me miss my recent island experience lifestyle. It's just after 1030 here. Uh, We are with you until noon. Just want to remind you guys, uh, some of the only criticism I ever get, well, I mean, I get criticized for talking too much. Uh, but it's talk radio, so I just find that one interesting. Um, but I'm Jason Grody. I'm doing the show here live with my business partner, Dan Podesto. We're the owners and operators of Central Coast Lending. We are residential mortgage experts, and we do all of the purchase loans that, that you could dream of for residential real estate from I guess on the low side, if you need a loan for about fifty grand up to Five million, pretty safely. I think we could go beyond that, but you better have a boatload of equity. Um, and of course, all the loan programs. If you're a, if you're a vet, we can offer you a VA loan. Uh, otherwise, we got this all of the sweet government deals. USDA 100% financing still going on in the county, um, and we do refinance loans too. So, doesn't matter what kind of loan you have. If it's on a single family residence or up to four units where you're definitely the place to uh, call and get an opinion on. Um, so reach out to us if you want. We do have loan officers in the office today. The number to the office is 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. And the second little piece of business here is that uh, this is an interactive talk radio show. So if you want to call in and ask a question or share a comment, you can. The number is 543-8830, 543-8830. I was driving in today, and I was listening to Jeff doing his show, uh-huh. and he has a different cadence of the phone number. Um, and, and, you know, 
during the week you can hear Dave Congleton say it. He has kind of a funny way of saying three. So he's he's five four three eight eight three zero, and um, we just call it five four three eight eight three zero. He was calling it like five forty three eighty eight thirty, which threw me off a little bit. I'm like, wow, this dude knows a different number to the studio. And then after <laughs> that, he really did have a different number to the studio. But did you realize that the eight hundred number, the last four digits are KVEC? I didn't realize that until Jeff Bradley was giving out the 800 number, 800-549-KVEC. Yeah. I just mentioned your you mentioned your business today too. That's crazy. Yeah, local so, radio, gotta love it. Huh? It's nice to have the four hour block. <clears throat> so soon uh, to be five. There you are. <laughs> All right. Well, it is time. We're we are joined by our guest Russell Goldman. He's taking time out of his Saturday to to be in the radio, to be in the in this. Warm, sunny radio booth. Uh, I'm sure you're just loving it, Russ. Thanks for uh, coming on the show with us today. You're the local um, owner of, or the owner of the local G.J. Gardner franchise. Yes, I am. Thank you guys for having me on this morning. Is this your radio debut? This is my radio <laughs> debut. <laughs> yes. Right. We're going to take Absolutely. it easy on you. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fine. Before you get too serious, Dan, because I know we we got we, so to we learn about Russ and where he's from, what he's doing, all this kind of thing, I just want to point out. Anchoring the head of the table down here, we got an Angels fan. We got a Giants you're, fan. You're acknowledging that, that right that now? Too. I don't even know if I'd dude, say that. I, dude, you're welcome. We beat the Yankees last night. There you go. We just swept them. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's so anytime, the, on. anytime the Yankees lose, that's a good thing. Yeah. So I, I'd agree with you there. So, anyway, uh, I just thought we'd point that. We got the A's, the Giants, the Angels. So, um you know, just and, missing a couple. And if you guys got an issue with it, let's arm wrestle over it. And we'll decide then. Okay. Well, so. we're, we're two against one over here as far as the Bay Area goes. All right, all right. And I, I just have a feeling the construction guy is going to beat out the guys who sit behind a desk when it comes to arm wrestling. I don't know. If nothing else, i got a little muscle behind me anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so I had a chance to sit down with with you a couple Fridays ago, and I got to learn a little bit about your business. But why don't you um, just let our listeners know a little bit about your background, your building background, and and how you stepped into the GJ Gardner name? Uh, for me personally, my personal background started out uh, really, for the most part, in the uh, civil engineering field. Uh, I was working for a company based out of Texas, doing uh, WalMarts and Lowe's. Uh, shopping centers, more or less, up and down the western United States. Um, after that, I kind of decided that the, the office environment really wasn't suited for me, uh, so I went into the construction business more. Um, my now, family. You, you mentioned that your family's in the construction field also? Yeah, my family uh, owns a large uh, commercial general contracting business up in the Salinas area called Salinas Steel Builders. Uh, been around for about 85 years or so. Um, wow. So I moved up there out of uh, San Diego where I was doing the civil engineering and, and went to work for them for quite a while. Um, and then ultimately living in Paso Robles and commuting to Salinas every day kind of became <laughs> kind of became a chore with two little ones at home and a wife and whatnot. So uh, I decided to make the move to uh, come back home and start my own business at that point. And you are from San Diego originally? I am from San Diego, yeah, northern San Diego County, uh, specifically Encinitas. Encinitas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Northern San Diego, to me, always translates into, like, Escondido. But Encinitas, okay. That's, that's still that's coastal, inland, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were, I'm, you know, we were probably five minutes from 
from the beach. Well, and, and talking to Russell the other day, it reminded me of, of when you were living down in San Diego and how you get so um, – at first you fight the traffic that you're in. You resist it. You think you can change it, and then you just become part of it, you and it runs your life. You beat the traffic. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, you can figure out, though. I, I did learn that whether it's you know the 5, depending what time of day, or the 15, whatever, there there is a time at which you can get out in front of it. So you're just going to change your lifestyle. For me, it adapted to like 16-hour days behind the desk. But... Yeah, the traffic is a part of life down there. But now you both got smart and moved to the Central Coast. And how long have you been on the Central Coast now? Uh, we moved up here, I believe it was 2004, uh, after my first daughter was born. Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it, she's a fantastic softball player. She but. is, yeah. In <laughs> fact, uh, this is her second year. Uh, she's made the all-star team uh, both both years so far, which is which has been pretty spectacular. And uh, this year also was my youngest one's first year, so we're pretty excited. Right. Awesome, yeah. Well, I've already Jason. I've already tried recruiting him. I've already tried recruiting Russell to our softball team, but it's a kind of a commute to uh, San Luis from Paso. Oh, it's well worth it. Hey, never <laughs> say never. <laughs> Right on. So I um I was telling Dan before I, I all right. Uh, let me just let me preface this by saying most people that know me know that I pretty much just shoot from the hip and and just say exactly what's right on my mind. Um when you guys were talking about I saw GJ Gardner was scheduled to come in. Um, I had spent a little bit of time with the previous owner, had some conversations with him, learning a little bit about what they do. Um, the business sounded super interesting to me. Uh, kind of the, the idea of working with a company of size and magnitude that has uh, the ability to pick from different plans and stuff, shaving off a lot of the costs, some of these contracts in place for the benefit of the home buyer or builder, depending on how you want to term it. A lot, just a lot of cool perks and stuff like that. Um, I could not find myself relating to the guy. He was um, kind of abrasive, felt a little bit pompous, just... It was really challenging for me, and I and I kind of I I heard that from different people, and um, so I didn't know that you were like the newer owner. And I kind of when I found out we were getting um, you on the show, I kind of went, "Oh, I hope that goes okay." And then I learned that that you bought into the franchise just a year and a half ago, and so there's been a changing of the guard there. And so I'm pretty excited to get to know you and to want to talk a bit about about those big benefits of of working with a company like G.J. Gardner and stuff. So I just thought I'd I'd have to throw that right out there in the beginning so that you would know, um, you know, at least where I'm coming from. And and so I'm I'm thrilled to know that you've made this transition, though, and and I'm excited to to learn more about G.J. Gardner from you. Well, yeah, I appreciate that you uh, put me on the spot with previous owners and their reputations. But, <laughs> uh, you know, to tell you the truth, there's been two previous owners uh, before myself for the San Diego – or, I'm sorry, the uh, San Luis Obispo County franchise. Um, I don't really – you know, I don't really know a whole lot about what took place with those two previous owners. I've never really asked, honestly. I don't really, you know, look at that you as being have, my business right. per se. Um you know, I kind of looked at this as more of a, an opportunity to really show the community who I am, uh, as well as kind of bring the G.J. Gardner name and uh, our business model to the forefront, you know, in the community. Yeah. So, and 
I guess just as like a jumping off point, from what I understand, G.J. Gardner is a custom home builder. And if you're interested in, in having a, the the home of your dreams built, that they would contact you and just begin the from planning all the way through final construction that you guys implement that. But um, how 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 does that work? Well, you know, we're, we're unique in the sense that we're really we're structured to do. Uh, you know, a hundred or or two hundred home development deal, or we're uh, we're perfectly structured to do a nine hundred square foot, uh, you know, granny flat or or casita type type build. Um, whether the customer comes in with a with a set of plans of their own that they've had uh, an architect do, uh, or they can choose one of from one of you know well over a hundred different floor plans we've got already, uh, or we can actually design a plan from them. Uh, for them from scratch, you know, uh, really, their dream is is ultimately what we, what we can produce in, yeah. in, in just about every case. Um, the nice part in regards to the plans is that we really don't utilize an architect um, as as most companies would. We use just basically drafters and designers, uh, and with those designers, we've we've got pre structured pricing and. Um, so ultimately what happens is, you know, if you compare it to a, a scenario where you're going through an architect, um, you know, a set of plans that would run you maybe 20 grand and, you know, six to eight months in time and design and back and forth, we can usually, you know, do this, perform the same service for, you know, under $10,000 and within a month have a set of plans complete, assuming, you know, we go through the design process fairly rapidly. Mm-hmm. And so that still gives the homeowner the ability to um, customize features, room sizes, amenities, things like that. I mean, they have total control over over the design aspect. You just have a little more of efficient process, it sounds like. Right, right. They have complete uh, control over the design process. In fact, if, if they were to select one of our, our pre-designed plans, uh, they have the freedom to move walls around, add square footage, take square footage away. Uh, we could add a you know, a second story to a single story. We can take one of our slab on grade plans and uh, modify it to be a hillside plan. I mean, really, you know, like I said, the sky's the limit. You know, the, the customer's in charge of, of their own design, more or less. And then as you start to talk about the amenities in the home, I understand that, that G.J. Gardner has worked with the various um, providers, like a Kohler or, you know, those, those types of pr- providers of products to have a, a different pricing structure than if you were just to go into Home Depot and start picking things out. Right, right. You know, it, that's one of the huge benefits to being part of a franchise like this and, and a worldwide franchise at that. Um, you know, we're in several different countries around the world. We originally were based out of Australia, um, probably the biggest home builder in Australia and New Zealand at this point. Um, and we've, you know, the biggest state is in terms of franchises in uh, the United States is California, but but we're adding states and franchises uh, virtually weekly. Um, and what we're able to do by by having all these franchises and being a worldwide company, uh, we're, we're able to negotiate pricing with many of the manufacturers like KitchenAid and Kohler and uh, Dahl Tile and and Boral Roofing and and various different other companies. Uh, we get pricing points that that really no other local builders can get. It's really comparable to something a, a, a massive worldwide builder like a Shea Homes or something like that would be able to get. That's great. So it's I mean it's always good to keep costs down for folks, but they still get the quality of these um, manufacturers that 
you know the names are recognizable. It's they're they're good products. They've been around forever. Um, but yeah, just the scale of GJ Gardner. It's really neat because you have the you have the nimbleness of a of just a small builder where you can you know like you said you can do the the granny unit or or you could do a massive development. You've got the You've got the support of that big name. It's it's kind of the best of both worlds. That was what I my, one of my big takeaways from our conversation. Yeah, most definitely. You know, and, and again, just going back to the benefits of being a franchise owner. Um, you know, there's so much marketing and research that goes into these things at a uh, at a corporate level that gets passed down to us as individual franchise owners. Uh, it, it's just priceless. There's no way that a, a local builder doing a couple homes a year can really access the the things that we do as franchise owners. Um, it's just, it really is a phenomenal package. We are here live with Russell Goldman. He's the owner of the local GJ Gardner franchise. He's a home builder here on the central coast. Um, got in, in the studio here for about 45 minutes or so. Um, if you'd like to call in and ask Russell a question, whether it's a specific question or something general about building, we'd love to ha- hear from you. You can call in at 543-8830. Five four three eight eight three zero to get your question live on the air. Um, we have to pause just for a moment to thank our sponsors one more time, and then we'll be right back with more from Russell. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least twenty times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. The City of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Morro Bay Mile Skateboard Push Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louis Ortega. And of course, the star of every Morro Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blast off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Stax Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrobayfourth.org. That's morrobayfourth.org. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a savvy real estate investor, there's no denying that now is a great time to buy. We pride ourselves in offering every loan program at the lowest interest rate and the lowest fees. FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, we do it all. Let Central Coast Lending do your next purchase. Your loan will close on time and on budget with no last-minute surprises. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 10.52, and um, we've been in here talking construction stuff, and... You know, it just dawned on me. Russ, you're from San Diego, yet I can't help but notice that orange hat you've got on. Yeah. How did you wind up being a Giants fan when you're from San Diego? That just doesn't uh, make any sense. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> born in Carmel, and it was it was one of those things, my, uh, you know, my... My dad's side of the family is from the Salinas area. And, and, so they're uh, Giants fans. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If I would have uh, not been a Giants fan, my dad would have kicked me out of the house as a <laughs> child. So I didn't have much of a choice in it. I hear you. Um, I prefer Coke to Pepsi. And the only <laughs> logical reason I could ever give you is that's because my dad told us that, you know, men drank Coke. Yeah. And they, that was that. If you were, if you brought a Pepsi into the house, it was, uh, it was on. So, but yeah, so all that kind of stuff makes good sense to me. <laughs> We've been talking about the uh, home building stuff, and I'm, I'm sitting over here just dying. No, Mister Builder Man, where's the money coming from? Um, I, I know that there's some construction stuff beginning to emerge here, but. Um, do I have to own my own lot outright to be able to get into this home building game? Um, how are you guys dealing with that? And have you seen, I, I can only imagine that you're just, you can't wait to see that piece of the market get restored to where you guys are fully back to normal. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, given the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, it's kind of hard to figure out really what normal is from the highs <laughs> to the lows. Um, but you know, I guess I guess my take on normalcy would probably just be consistency. Uh, really, you know, um, take out the ebbs and the flows, and and really try to to get a, a normal line running across there. Um, you know, with us, we've seen a definite increase in business uh, really since Jan- this past January. Um, and what I'm finding, at least to some degree, is that it seems like the people that had money before the crash still have the money. They've just kind of been sitting on it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a few of the deals we have going right now are cash-only deals. Uh, we're seeing probably more of those given what's going on than, than before. Um, and, you know, the lending side of it, you guys could probably speak to a little better than I can. But, uh, you know, obviously the rules have changed a bit uh, since since the last few years and the downturn. So, you know, while the lending is, is maybe a little more difficult than what it used to be, um, I, I – I, my outlook is all pretty positive in the whole thing, really. I'm I'm looking for the steady, slow growth, not so much the the quick recovery. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I was sharing with a friend the other day that um, 2005 was 
if there ever was an era for construction lending and spending, that man, that was it right there. It like every bank that you could think of had. Um, they they even all had like a proprietary acronym for it, like the the OTC, the one time close, and these kinds of things where. We literally, and, and at that point, I was managing underwriters that were making the, the credit decisions on these loan programs, and they had no idea what they were looking at, what they were evaluating, how to even know whether or not the builder and contractor that were working the project were even capable of doing what they said they were going to do. They would get an appraisal, kind of a you know as-built appraisal, and <clears throat> build these numbers off of that scenario, and... Obviously, some of that was based on some flawed logic here. And, and I think um, if, if nine out of ten companies were offering that construction lending piece of it, which generally would help you buy the lot, do the construction loan and then be a takeout loan at the end, putting you into some kind of fixed product or you know whether you did an arm or a fixed loan. Uh, but it was like a whole one-piece one experience. And today... That's not offered really by anyone that I am familiar with. Most of the programs that um, are going to do these kinds of things are land loans are next to impossible to come by unless you have 50% down and a great relationship with the bank that's going to loan you the dough. Um, but usually you need to own the land, and then if you're going to get a construction loan, coming in to sort of pledge that land and then getting a, per, a percentage of the build-out at that point can be something that's attainable. The good news is is that we're seeing different companies sort of reemerge as willing to participate in this and, and wanting to test the waters and see how it goes. So. Um, I, I'm sure you're you're familiar with that stuff, but to me it feels like, at least for the first time now in at least six years, we're beginning to to see companies um, seeing that as a a manageable risk as opposed to something that was perfectly impossible. You know, so so that's good news. Yeah, I was sharing with Russ um, that <clears throat> our banks are finally now starting to talk about new programs. Construction, be, construction lending being one of them, which even incorporates the the lot purchase um, part of the of the financing, um, and it, it's been so long. Banks have been so fearful of the the speculative nature of building. At least we're coming from an era where a lot of building was very speculative in nature, and um, basically it, it it required the the activity to to maintain or continue upward like it was for the early 2000s, and that obviously didn't happen. And so now banks are kind of nervous. A lot of banks took properties back, partially built projects, um, and only recently is that starting to pick up. And like you said, January is like a light switch flipped, and people are building. As I was just driving in here, there's been these lots up on Quintana in Morro Bay. They had built four homes out of eight kind of right behind the power plant that looked on to Lemos. Um, mm. And now I saw one of them's being built. One of those is being built. Um, I've seen a new project in Morro Bay on Highway 41 and um, Ironwood. We're seeing um, that project in San Luis Obispo, the, what is it, the Terrace, Moylan Terrace. Terrace. So there's a lot of projects now starting to, to go up. So now I think lenders are interested in getting back in the financing game on construction. Yep. 
All right. I'm sad we're getting bumped out to the break, but we are. We got a few minutes here of break, and then we'll be back to talk about this a little bit more. Um, thanks for sticking around. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 11.05. This is the uh, this is the hour that Dan and I did. I, I Maybe now that we've been doing two hours for as long as we did the old 11 to 12 spot. Think so? I think, I think we've been doing it for longer now. Longer. Yeah. Well, this still feels like the good hour to me. I'm still waking up for that first hour. You know, you don't really have the tempo and the rhythm yet. Just not used to it. What do you think, Jim? I don't know, Jason. I think you could wake up in the middle of the night and get right into the show. You know, it's funny. Oftentimes, Saturday morning, I feel like the the first words I really utter are like when I show up, I see Dan like, hey, how's it going? You know, sit down behind the microphone and just start talking. But um, no, I'm not. It takes me a little while. Now, when you did the half-hour show, what time were you on then? Because I wasn't That sure started that. at 10.30. It was 10.30 to 11 when it first came out, right? Yeah. 10 to 10.30, and then we expanded from now. 10 to 11. Okay. Yeah, it was 10 to 10.30. Wasn't it 11 to 11.30? No. 10 to 10.30. We'll have to look it up. Hmm. But, um, yeah, anyway. Crazy. It's, uh, I, I really enjoy doing the show. But, anyways, this is my favorite hour for sure. I like this hour much more. I feel awake. I feel ready. I can also see the light at the end of the tunnel. The, the noon. <laughs> the is, weekend is coming. Yeah, the noon is nearly <laughs> here. We're ready for our, one our and weekly and one and a half days <laughs> off a week. That's awesome. Although I'm not complaining this week, I didn't work very much. I was <laughs> or at all. <laughs> I was in Hawaii. And now, you've been known to stop by the office after the show, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I ran Same. into Dan just after the last show. <laughs> Both of us at the office. Yeah. Hey, so we've got the uh, the dude from G.J. Gardner here in town, Russ. And um, I was... Uh, we were talking a little bit about the financing piece of it, and if anything, I, I'm encouraging myself, but wanting to encourage other people, is that this is a segment of the market that's coming back. And as is usually the case, we had a commercial break, and some of the better part of conversation began to unroll here is, um, you know, Dan kind of hit it on the head is when we're when we get our loan officers together and we're talking about um, – how to keep ourselves uh, positioned well to be taking care of our families. I mean, we've we've got 20 head of household jobs here in our company, and there's, you know, I don't know how large the scale is of your economy, but this sort of transcends what you do, what your industry is, is that you've got to remember to think bigger picture. And when rates go up a little bit, it freaks our loan officers out. Oh, man, the, the phone's not ringing off the hook for the refi business. But 
Um, we've got to remember that that normalcy in the market isn't this bizarrely low interest rate, and that normalcy in the market is the presence of the the kinds of loan programs like construction and. Um, to be able to acquire land and, and build out a home, that's normal stuff. And and so with rates moving up a little bit, without a question, I know that we're going to see the return of these loan programs more wide scale. This time, I'm certain under more regulation than it was before. Um, that was one of the most fascinating things that, in retrospect, I can recall now since I got into the business in, in 2002. Um, it was a mess. Anybody that wanted to offer a home loan could. Um, uh, in California, you could get yourself the probationary real estate license and um, with no mortgage training whatsoever and be up and selling mortgages the next day. Um, or you could go to work under one of the bank exemptions where you didn't even need to have that real estate license and be selling loans the next day. Um, and then at the investor level, we saw these groups with no business in the mortgage market at all, creating and offering loan programs out to um, the general public, that was pretty bizarre as well. Um, like I said before, so many of these companies were doing construction loans that had no idea what they were doing, no business doing it. And um, my how it's changed. Today it's all over-regulated, I would argue, and... Um, so it'll be interesting to see when these when construction lending does come back in the in the bigger picture. I'm sure we're going to need to regulate the heck out of that as well. It's not needed to be regulated for the last few years because it's been dead. Um, but uh, so that's that's definitely something to keep an eye out for is is the return of some of these other loan programs and different kinds of things that that exist in a normal market. And and Russ, you made a good point. You you you're saying don't look at the day to day, but try to look at the bigger picture and and be just more prepared for some business as usual as opposed to focusing on, on such the short term here yeah that's you know that's at least my approach anyway and that uh, you know you can't get too wrapped up in the day-to-day -day ups and downs of the market and and the interest rates and things like that um you know it, it needs to do that to some degree to find that that leveling out point um you know with that being said there's there was also obviously a need for some conservatism to be re-injected back into the lending side of the business, I think. So, you know, that's part of it as well. Um, you know, I think with the interest rates maybe creeping up a bit here and there, that is also what's generating the opportunity for these new loan prog programs to be coming out because it's making the loan for these new programs more attractive to the lenders, you know. Yeah. Now, I, I was thinking it would be fun to switch gears just a little bit. Um, I I want to I try to change my mindset a little bit and kind of dumb down like out of the industry a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious here. Let's say that I work for Caltrans and I I don't know anything about the mortgage business or construction any of that kind of stuff, and I want to build a house or have a house built. 
where does somebody start? And, you know, and for me, like I was sharing with you during the break, my dad's a general contractor and he's built houses for himself and for others my whole life. So I feel like I do know a bit about it, but how does somebody even know how to find you guys? What, where do they go? How does it begin? How do you find those clients when you're, you know, going to end up building for somebody? You know, the vast majority of our uh, our leads with, with potential clients come in from our, uh, you know, we do a, we, we focus heavily on social networking, um, you know, on a, on a corporate level. So we've all got Facebook. Each individual franchise has got Facebook pages, our own individual websites, um, along with the, the corporate level websites and Facebook pages. And, you know, we're all part of LinkedIn and everything else. So. We really generate uh, a significant amount of our leads through the through the social networking, um, but then you always have uh, obviously have word of mouth, which in my opinion is probably the most important piece to that whole entire puzzle, uh, because that's that's a direct reflection of your reputation and what you've done in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the leads, believe it or not, have have really not been the problem um, for us here locally. Uh, we've we've found that. You know, from from the Bay Area to Southern California, you know, weekly we've got people calling and inquiring about uh, our products and and homes that we have for sale. Um, so, you know, from a from a customer standpoint, that's that's looking at you know wanting to build their their dream home or or a spec home for that matter. Uh, basically, they can get in touch with us uh, any one of our franchises, depending on you know what community you're from. But ours specifically uh, entails all of San Luis Obispo County. Uh, and just, you know, talk to us, tell us what, what it is that your idea is, basically, uh, whether it's buying a piece of land and buying your own home or from an investment standpoint, um, you know, building a spec, something like that. Uh, we'll sit down with them, work out the design uh, part of it, and then, you know, start working on numbers from there. I'm curious to hear about some of the projects you're working on currently um, and and also just hearing a little bit about the buyers that you're working with, how they're financing their projects, if they're financing their projects, things like that. You want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. Um, we've got a few projects right now that are uh, completely cash deals, which kind of goes back to my previous comment, and that a lot of the people that had money prior to the downturn still have the money. They've just been sitting on it. Um, from a finance standpoint, um, you know, I would say probably most of our customers are going to require financing of some kind. Uh, if if it's a customer that comes in that that doesn't have land uh, already in place of some kind, we can we can assist them with with finding and purchasing the land uh, as well as building the home. Um, so I mean we're kind of a kind of a turnkey type type deal where they can walk in the door with us and really uh, we can handle all facets of the project in house in our office. Where are some of your projects located right now? Uh, we've got a couple things going on out in the uh, San Isabel Ranch development, which is uh, in between Paso Robles and Templeton. Um, I'm currently working with a, uh, a an investment group on a potential 11 home deal uh, up on North River Road uh, in between Paso and San Miguel. We're doing a couple things up at the uh, the new site of Heritage Ranch in Lakeside and uh, just numerous other different things in the works. That sounds great. And so obviously the development deal is more of an investment type of deal. Are are some of the single 
um, projects that you're working on, the the single-family homes, are those just for people who plan on occupying the home? Uh, Yeah, those are owner-occupied projects. Um, So we're building specifically for the homeowner to be their residence. Consequently, with a few of those folks, uh, you know, our prices and and the deals that we offer are attractive enough to where they're actually looking to uh, do a couple spec projects with us after their, their personal homes complete. Wow. That's something that, you know, just a couple years ago didn't seem like it was um, going to happen anytime soon. And now, like you said, just it, it was January, which really is the same time that I think we really started to see the, the multiple offers start to pick up. And the, the, the current buying environment really, really changed from from the, the, the deals. There was, I mean, the market was dominated by the foreclosures and short sales and... And then, yeah, it was about the end of last year, early this year, that all of a sudden it became really a seller's market. And now we see, you know, like the latest headline. I mean, we've consistently seen 10, 12, 13 percent price increases in our county. Now we had the latest number was a Southern California um, home price index. And I believe when they talk about the Southern California region, they're talking about six counties um, in the Southern California area. Prices rose in May at the fastest annual rate in nine years. Um, it was the 14th consecutive month of, of year-over-year gains in the Southern California region. Uh, median price for new and existing homes and condos went up to 368000 which was up nearly 25% year-over-year from May to May, um, which is the largest increase since October of 2004. So it seems like that consistent price appreciation along with a small spike in interest rates has really got people off the fence saying now's the time. If it wasn't obvious before, it's obvious now. Now's the the time um, to get in on this housing market. And when Wes was on the show last week, we had a couple of callers call in saying that, you know, it, it feels like if you don't get in now, it's going to be like it was in 2003 where a lot of people were just shut out especially from this local market where the wages don't necessarily support the prices. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think we're at a and kind of a unique time right at the moment where land prices are low enough combined with the interest rates that are available right now to where the whole thing makes sense. Um, you know, and, and that's where I'm looking to, you know, hopefully this this will continue at a at a – conservative pace as far as, you know, the cost of land maybe going up a little bit, the interest rates maybe creeping up here and there. If we can manage manage those items, uh, I think, you know, the growth is going to be going to be long term, you know, and I've, I've kind of talked to you guys off the air a little bit about just simply population growth. Um, you know, that's going to be a huge driving force, in my opinion, in, in the years to come, you know, the next 10 years to even 15 years. Uh, I was just reading a story, you know, like two days ago saying that on a worldwide level, the population is just going to be exploding over the next 10 years. India, for example, is going to take over China as being the biggest country in the world from a population standpoint and how that affects the United States on an immigration level. Um, You know, at some point, despite what the economy is doing, we've got to house people. So, you know, as I foresee it, the housing market is really going to stay pretty consistent for the next 10 to 15 years. It may not, you know, have the rapid growth that we've seen in years past, but I actually would like to see more of a consistent slower growth anyway. 
So you're not looking to open the India franchise for G.J. Gardner? Yeah, not at this time. <laughs> not at this time. Yeah, I did see that. I saw a headline the other day that said um, they're predicting by 2050 the worldwide population is going to reach uh, 9.6 trillion people. Yeah, and, you know, really what that equates to is obviously everybody needs a house, but, you know, it, it may come to a time where the housing, as we build houses, the, the game changes there, the type of house that we build, the size, the amenities. Um, Maybe more but, of the building up instead of out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I think that goes hand in hand as well with a lot of the, the new green building rules and Title 24 requirements, energy compliance requirements that are coming down the pipe. Um, you know, I think it, it really kind of, in, in a you know, in a large scale view of it, it's really an attempt to kind of reduce the what they call the carbon footprint footprint you know it's an effort to not only make the homes more energy efficient but also in a sense reduce the average size of each home to some degree you know cuz with a lot of these green building requirements that are coming down the pipe they're going to you know they're going to add some cost to each project without a doubt um so the thing is the building's not going to stop cuz it's it's going to be required or needed uh so what happens consequently is the size of the home, you know, drops some to to reach the price point that the specific customer is looking for. So we we talk about it a lot at, at, on the air and at work. You know, we watch CNBC a lot. It gives us the economic news that we need to help us run our business um, and advise clients. They've been for the last couple of weeks playing this, um, talking about this this guy who's building the largest home in America in Florida. He's the uh, timeshare king. Um, I forgot the name of his company, but he uh, he's building this 90,000-square-foot home in Florida. He nearly lost the place to foreclosure as the economy turned down because he's so vested in real estate that his cash flow just basically turned off. The thing actually went to foreclosure. No one wanted to buy the property. Now he's... He's boasting record profits again um, with the turnaround in the economy, and he's back to building his 90,000-square-foot uh, – they're calling it Versailles is the name of the, the home in Florida. It's just ridiculous. It's like 12 kitchens and a, a dressing room the size of my entire house. <laughs> it's just insane what they're doing, totally bucking the trend of energy efficiency and uh, – and and smaller footprint, something easier to maintain. You know, they're going to have segways throughout the house; so they can get around. Oh, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> right? Jeez, that's bizarre. My first thought is, who gets to clean that? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they are. Or the heat and cool and all that. Right. Yep. You you were talking about India and in, in uh, I, I I was reading a really interesting article a few I guess it was a few months ago talking about. You asked me, what's India, what's their economy like right now? Uh, it's full of uh, tech support people. Um, and and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know. If you've called any one of the, the big service providers lately, it, it's like if you call Charter, it feels like you're getting routed out to India to get your customer service. But um, because they're experiencing such a population growth, um, they're having to import a lot of the skilled labor to do pipe fitting and all these kinds of things because they they have such a need because of the way they're growing. It's it's kind of ironic to me. And um, I do – I think uh, – I was thinking about this during the last break. I, I was going to ask you, 
I so I grew up the son of a contractor, and and um, good or bad, that's just how it was. Um, my dad always was always able to work and did a good job because he's so um, you know high integrity, does good clean work, and um, just people refer him, and so he's always been able to to do fine in it. Um, also always wrestled with the fact that a lot of the the laborer help on there if they're you know flicking cigarette butts on the job site or showing up you know drinking beers during lunch these kind of things are a stigma that he's always wrestled with um i imagine that you've faced a lot of the same thing as a father of young children now are you going to encourage your kids to to go into the trades um i i kind of wrestle with that right now my boys are 10 and 8 and i wonder if it might be appropriate to encourage them to you know rather than go off to to college to get a desk job to be a tradesman there's you know being a, an electrician or a plumber or something like this some some of these guys are making a, a hundred bucks an hour for their trade um and it seems to me that it's not something a lot of parents are really encouraging their kids to do um kind of makes it feel like it's ripe for the picking well you know that that goes there's so many facets to to that question believe it or not i mean you know unfortunately in our school systems these days we don't teach uh trades anymore you know i mean you can't find too many high schools around that still have the metal shop and the auto shop and the wood shop and you know things like that so i think a lot of our a lot of our school skilled labor has really kind of dropped off uh to some degree just due to the fact that we don't offer those type of skills in our educational systems anymore which is really unfortunate because yeah and one of the byproducts of it at least to my layman mind here is that you then you end up with the guy that is showing up to do the labor um is somebody that's struggling they didn't have the the drive motivation or book smarts to want to go on to college and you know so you so you end up with the people that are naturally sort of showing up to the job site then and and of course this is not it's it's stereotypical it's not the majority of people or whatever but we're kind of crafting this in a way that we're not taking the cream of the crop to train them into the trades and get them set up to have successful careers. It's like we want them to go off and do something else, and then we let the less desirable people want to pick up the the hammers and stuff like that. And it, it just it seems so bizarre to me. And it, and I, I really I do. I consider this with my kids. Should I encourage them into the trades? Because if you are smart and hardworking and have high integrity, um, there there's a tremendous opportunity in there. And it's like you're talking about the population growth and need for housing. Um, that's not going away anytime soon. So those tradesmen, it, it's probably a, a pretty good angle to work. Yeah, you know, oftentimes I used to I used to joke with my wife and and say that uh, you know being a general contractor is a lot like being a used car salesman. Um, you know, the stigma that comes along with it is is oftentimes negative. But you know, the way the way you can fight against that that uh, that stigma is just to go out there and and do a good job, be responsible, show up on time, take pride in what you do. Um, you know, and ultimately, I think I think. At the end of the day, your reputation will speak for itself. Um, you know, before I before I bought the GJ Gardner franchise, uh, I had owned 
my own uh, general contracting business uh, by a different name, and we were, you know, because the the new construction had more or less disappeared, we, you know, in a survival method, we we went more to remodels and additions and repairs and that kind of thing. And, you know, through that whole downturn, we developed uh, a reputation that basically kept us busy seven days a week for, you know, four-plus years to get through that time. So, you know, I think if it's all in your approach, really, no matter what you're doing, if you take pride in what you're doing uh, and you're responsible uh, and, and give some thought to the people you're working for in terms of how they want to be treated and their expectations, uh, you know, you'll be fine, really, I think, in what whatever you want to do. Um, you know, as, as it relates to my kids and, and them going into this business somehow, uh, if it's something that they show some interest in and would like to do it, then I would absolutely encourage them. Uh, to get into it and and again if they if they put everything they've got into it uh and and you know approach it the right way then then they won't have any problems yeah know? i feel like that's true in every industry and i I've, I've always thought that from a young age is if you're the kind of person that demands success for yourself you'll find it in whatever you do whatever you know if you're going to Whatever, whatever trade or desk job, service sector, anything you go into, if if you demand success for yourself, you're going to be successful. And so, yeah, it's a that's a good one, though. I kind of do. I, I'm interested in in wanted. I want to probably encourage my kids. I always joke with them that they should probably go be fire or police or something with a big fat pension, um, because that's not a reality for me the self-employed guy that's we got to do that for ourselves but um yeah so well you know it it seems like we've kind of over the years kind of you know frowned on on the trade industries and and really kind of more or less driven the message home to our kids that you know you've got to be in a suit and tie or sitting at an office in front of a computer to really be successful and that's just not the case i see and i have a unique perspective about this because i get to see the tax returns of of all of the clients that we do loans for and yeah sure i see the the high ups you know out at the the prison or at cal poly pg and e we see a lot of respectable salaries that you could make a comfortable living on um you would not you probably wouldn't be shocked. Some people are. I see plumbers, electricians, roofing contractors, um, people that make jellies, raise alpacas, cook bread for a living. And there are some handsome livings to be made if you're willing to put your head down, work hard, and be good at what you do. Um, and, yeah, I, I kind of worry that that's being lost a little bit on the this next generation here. Is I, And I know for me... And, and you're you're not a very dem- different demographic than than we are age wise. Um, when I was going to high school, you're more or less a loser if you weren't already signed up for college. In fact, at my high school graduation ceremony, they pointed out that nearly. 80% of the students were already had plans and were enrolled to go off to a college. It was really being celebrated, and um, I wasn't one of them. I, I, I did go on to graduate from, from Cal Poly, but I, I didn't have any college plans. And at that point, I was making a living between sales and bend and nails. But the reality is... Um, I I do I think it's a it's a great way to make a living and it's it's being a little under 
underutilized right now. The the funny thing too is that it, it to me it occurred to me when I graduated with my my bachelor's degree that the bachelor's is kind of like the new high school diploma. It's almost like if you don't have that, what kind of loser are you? And if you actually want now to separate yourself from the rest of the class, you should have a master's or a doctorate. And somehow or other, encouraging kids to go to school until they're 30 and 32 years old seems also like flawed logic. You, you lost out like 10 years worth of earning power there well and and you know and you show up with a lot of student loans <laughs> a lot you know you you put your put yourself in debt right out of the gate um in most cases and and you know it look at how many of those folks that have that that bachelor's or that master's or the doctorate even that that are either out of work or or working at a you know as a cashier somewhere just oh, to just to make ends meet we know? have a cousin that um did chiropractic school and that requires an awful lot of money and you end up with some student loans and then at the end of all that um she decided that it wasn't what she wants to do and so um some pretty hefty student loan payments for deciding to change the mind and you know you can you can swap out tools and be an apprentice in another trade a little bit easier than that fifteen hundred dollar a month student loan <laughs> payment hey right. we got to do a commercial break here it's eleven you're listening to mortgage matters Pay some attention to these sponsors that help make the show possible. They're companies that we believe in and that we use ourselves. So listen up. We'll be back in a quick minute here with more Mortgage Matters. The city of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Morro Bay Mile Skateboard Push Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park, where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louis Ortega. And, of course, the star of every Morro Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blast off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Dax Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrobayfourth.org. That's morrobayfourth.org. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You wouldn't hike Mount Everest without a Sherpa, and you shouldn't endure the loan process without one either. At Central Coast Lending, we take the confusion, stress, and anxiety out of your loan transaction. Our experienced team of loan officers will serve as your guides. 
your experts, your mortgage Sherpas. Let the Central Coast Lending Mortgage Sherpas lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state. State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. We're glad that you're with us. It's been a little while here since we gave out the phone number, so I'd like to do that again. If you want to call in and ask a question or share a comment, the number is 543-8830, 543-8830, or 800-549-KVEC. Huh, Dan? Nice. I do guess I knew that at one point or another, but... um. You know the the phone nowadays. The you don't really look at the uh, letters on the number kind of thing as much as you used to. Although it's coming back. I mean, we give out our number as five four three loan. That was a problem for me. I realized um, when I was a BlackBerry user because the the numbers and the letters didn't correspond the way that they could. And before they made the software Bridget. I was in downtown San Diego, actually, and I was trying to get a hold of, I forget what I was looking up, but I looked up a number and it had letters in it, and my BlackBerry, of course, couldn't dial the number, Uh, and so now I'm out looking for a freaking pay phone. (laughs) You know how hard it is to find a pay phone anymore? I don't (laughs) know. There's like one of I know of in town. Here. I don't even Is know. It? That's yeah. it. and there's like some crazy homeless person on it right now. Like yeah. you know, you're not <laughs> you're not even able to get to it. They're like calling in orders to the moon or something. <laughs> the the at any rate, the the phone thing is evolved. Now you can simply just give out the letters and all the smartphones will just dial it. But uh, good stuff. Hey, Russ, I'm curious. I, I just want to, um, you know, we only have a few more minutes with you here, and I want to find out from you. Um, tell us a little bit about your, uh, the kind of client you'd like to hear from today, um, and then let's follow up that with how they can get a hold of you. Um, well, you know, really anybody that, uh, you know, has the idea that they'd like to uh, build themselves a, their home, uh, their, whether, it's, whether it's their personal home or investment property, uh, for a rental or a spec build to turn around and sell. Uh, you know, anybody that's interested in, in new construction, really feel free to give us a call. We're always uh, always there to answer questions. Um, you know, right now, one of the things that, that we're looking at doing with uh, many, you know, with all the spec opportunities that are out there, uh, with land prices being what they are, the spec jobs are really kind of making sense right now. The, the real estate agents that I know and deal with on a regular basis are all kind of saying the same thing and that they've, they've got clients, uh, pre-approved clients, ready to go looking for a new home to buy, and there's just really not any inventory on the market. Um, 
So, you know, from a spec uh, build perspective, you know, we've got access to construction lending on our side all day long, uh, but uh, unfortunately the, the construction lenders oftentimes don't lend on the land. So, you know, if there's some, some landowners out there that whether it's a, a, a rural piece of land or a, a lot within a development, you know, if they've got some ideas and, and has been given some thought to possibly building and selling, um, we'd love we'd love to hear from you. You know, we could we could handle the construction financing part of it if they'd be willing to post their land. Uh, you know, we could build a spec and, and turn it and and split some profits and and both make some money. I'm and, curious about that because um, Dan mentioned that to me that you guys have the ability to get construction financing for somebody ultimately that has their land. So would that person be turning over title to their land for that? build or would they be adding you i mean somehow or other to it seems to get the construction financing in place that if i'm not if if i if my name is the name on the land as the land owner would i also have to be the name on the construction loan how do you guys bridge that uh no the landowner would would stay on as the landowner um and we would actually go secure the construction financing under gj gardner so um you know, we, it, there would be nothing out of pocket in terms of the landowner. It would be more or less a situation where the lenders on the construction side of it like to see that uh, with a spec job, there's there's something vested in the project on, on our end. So the landowner would basically be, you know, the equivalent of what we have invested in the project to that point, which makes the loan, the construction loan, that much more attractive. We have a caller that we want to take here. We've got Cal calling from Morro Bay. Hey, how you doing, guys? Pretty good. Good. I just wanted to thank you for uh, promoting the trades. Um, I coach high school tennis at Tascadero, and I've been telling the boys for years that this is something to look at, that there's going to be a void coming up, and if they want to control their destiny and have the opportunity for a great income, this is one avenue to look at. So it's nice to hear it on the radio, and hopefully some parents are hearing it also. Yeah, Thank you. yeah. You know, I'm really a firm believer in that. The thing is, is you know, right now we're in a we're in a situation where really, if somebody's interested in any one of the trades, the only way for them to really get any technical training in that field is to join one of the labor unions. And you know, while maybe some of the the union stewards and and union members may not agree with me, uh, but you know, I think the labor unions to some degree uh, have kind of expired in their usefulness, I guess you could say, for lack of a better ex- explanation. Um, you know, when labor unions were, were first devised, the, the work environment was much different than it is today. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate that somebody has to go join a labor union and give up union dues and all this other stuff uh, just to get the training that would make them valuable to a potential employer. So it would really be in our best interest. I know uh, Cuesta College now has got a construction program, which, which – uh, you know, I highly recommend, um, and and you know, we should really be looking at, at growing that field from from a base level at you know junior high and high school. And uh, what I've been doing is I'm I'm not a tradesman myself, but I I enjoy working in the trades when I do do it. But I tell the kids just pound on doors during the summertime, see if they can get hooked up with the electrical contractor or a plumber, and just go do grunt work so they can get their foot in the door. You know, there's there's no replacement for experience in the field. There really isn't. Um, you know, I think what's lacking oftentimes is in regards to the field experience is the business side of it. Um, you know, 
they need that also need that training to to learn how to run a business as well as the field work itself yeah so i just want to say thanks i appreciate it it was good to hear Um, we appreciate the call cal thanks a lot for listening um, one of the other great things about trades is, um, you know, it's not something that you can outsource to another country. When you need, you know, a plumber or an electrician or a builder, you need someone um, not only that lives in the United States, but probably someone that lives in your own town. Sure. So it's, a, you know, it's a very, it's a local need always, and it's it's something that will always be there. We'll always need um, the tradesmen mm-hmm. locally. So, well, and it it kind of transcends. Um, even different countries and languages, too. I mean, building methods, it, you know, yeah, there's some nuances to the way things are done slightly different in different regions and stuff. But you can kind of go anywhere if you know how to to do plumbing or, you know, do electrical or do roofing. You can you can get work anywhere you go. So that's a it's a pretty valuable little skill set there. I hope more people will consider um, maybe we should just start a trade school. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well, like I mentioned, you know, Cuesta College has has got a construction program now, uh, and I think that's something that's going to do nothing but just, you know, grow in popularity and keep getting better as as not only Cuesta continues to develop that program, but but the people from around the community, business owners in the trades and whatnot, uh, are allowed to come in and kind of put their two cents in as far as what they're looking for out of future uh, employees, you know. Yeah. It helps build that professionalism aspect into the trades, which is something you touched on about the stigma with with um, tradesmen. I know we've talked about it on and off the air, and having the the college level education for trades is, I think, will help with that professionalism aspect of of those jobs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, uh, a moment ago, Russ, you were telling our listeners about the kind of client you'd like to hear from, but you didn't tell them how to get a hold of you. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. Um, Our office telephone number is 805-239-5614. Our fax number is 805-239-5714. We're located at 935 Riverside Avenue in Suite 7B, and that's in uh, Paso Robles, California, obviously California. Um, and then as far as my personal email, it is uh, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L dot Goldman, G-O-L-D-M-A-N, at gjgardner.com. And then I, you know, right when you were walking in here, I Googled G.J. Gardner San Luis Obispo. Site popped right up with all your contact info, too. So another easy way to find you on the web. Yep. Um, we show many of our house plans on there. Uh, it's, you know, it's just a small fraction, but we do show uh, several of our house plans on there and um, you know, there's a brief description on kind of my past, and and uh, it's it's a pretty good website. Well, we really appreciate you joining us on the show today. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you again and learning more about your business and about GJ Gardner. And we hope that the people listening got something out of this, and hopefully, you'll get a couple phone calls from it. Yeah, that would be so, wonderful. Thanks again. I know it's Saturday. Hopefully the gray skies go away and we can all uh, all enjoy a nice weekend day and Father's Day weekend. Um, so thanks again for joining us. And we're going to step aside for just a moment to take a commercial break. And Jason and I will be right back to wrap up the show. Stick around. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. 
What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. The City of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Morro Bay Mile Skateboard Bush Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louie Ortega. And of course, the star of every Morro Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blast off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Stax Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrobay4th.org. That's morrobay4th.org. Borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars for a home purchase or refinance can be a stressful endeavor. And if you're like most Californians, you only get a home loan once every five years. That's why you need an experienced guide who knows the terrain and can carry the load of two mules. You need the Mortgage Sherpa, and he's only at Central Coast Lending. Let the Mortgage Sherpa lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. matters we're in the home stretch we just got 10 minutes here left to go there's some few more things here that i was wanting to talk about mr dan um i saw a little news piece this week about the uh slow county the economical forecast did you see that yeah that took place a couple weeks ago um june 6th yeah i did not attend but heard a lot about it. I mean, a lot of the news that came from that was pretty rosy. I thought about our county doing better than most counties. Leading. Yeah, really being a leader. A lot of it based in tourism, but you know, housing's picking up. A lot of areas picking up in our county. Um, 
And and so that was all good news. I got some feedback from actually one of our clients who's a local architect, and he attended the meeting. And one of the big topics of discussion was about appraisal and the use of appraisal in in mortgage, um, the mortgage business, and how it seemed almost like unnecessary um, if banks would approach lending from a more common sense standpoint. Um, you know, there's so much lending, and I've heard this from other clients too. You know, and the, these are the days of the harp refinance. The upside down homeowner can get a lower interest rate, but then there's so many people that don't qualify for that program, and they're subject to the current appraised value of their home. Yet they continue to make their six and seven percent interest payment every month and can't take advantage. It's almost like extortion. <laughs> it kind of, you know, the the folks who are upside down and. You know, they have this avenue to save money, but the the people who have equity and maybe are in a jumbo loan don't have the avenue to save money. So then the big headline this week is jumbo financing is coming back. Too little, too late once <laughs> rates go up? Well, I mean, jumbo money's been around. We've had jumbo loans for a while. It seems like, on my opinion, I mean, we've been advertising it, so it seems like there's been a lack of demand for some reason or maybe people not believing that the jumbo money's around. But we've had jumbo money for a while. More and more lenders are starting to offer it now. Um, the 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 availability seems to be pretty good. I mean, you could get 80% financing. In some cases, we have one lender offering 85% jumbo financing with no mortgage insurance. We have uh, several portfolio lenders that offer, offer jumbo money up to $5 million. Um, unique properties are are allowed. Unique um, income situations, people who maybe don't have income but are very, have lots of assets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's been there. And, you know, the, the fact that jumbo loan originations have Picked up 15% in the last quarter was a headline grabber. But what's that mean? You know, it went from from 10 loans to 12 loans or something? I, I don't quite know. So one of the things about that economic forecast that I thought was pretty funny, um, not necessarily funny, but as far as those percentages can look pretty bizarre when you don't understand how they're grounded, um, said – that um, construction looks good. 128 units of multifamily housing in the works. The county's multifamily construction rate is up 267%. That can go up pretty quick if you go from building four to building six. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but so anyway, the, the percentages thing you always got to give a close eye to. Um, the other piece here that was just cool for a countywide perspective um, the uh, default rate is down. As far as the um, defaulted loans here, there's 100 units in San Luis Obispo County in the first quarter, um, which is down 75% from the year prior. So there's obviously less homes going into foreclosure, which is a good thing. Um, you touched on that earlier, but that's probably the main reason why we ran out of all of the the glut of inventory that we were having to sell at deeply discounted rates, and now we're sort of returning to a more normal environment here of having to pay closer to what something is worth. Um, that's I, kind of interesting stuff. I like the point you made about you know when you're hearing all of these numbers. You know, we talked earlier about paying attention more to the bigger picture and not focusing too much on the day to day trends because you can really drive yourself crazy when you see things go up and down the way they've been. So understanding not only the numbers that are coming out, but where we're coming from to put it into the right sure. context. Um, and I want to just quickly mention that in. 
with respect to interest rates. Interest rates have gone up in in the recent couple of weeks. In May, we saw roughly a half-point increase to the 30-year fixed interest rate. You're seeing headlines all over the place about mortgage rates um, reaching the highest level since early 2012 or 2011. Rates are approaching 4%. Those are still amazing interest rates. There's yeah. people out there with 6 and 7% interest rates that would love to get into a 4% rate. We dug up a headline. I think I mentioned this last week. We dug up a headline from 2003 boasting interest rates at the 45-year low. Interest rates at that time in 2003 were at their 45-year low. What was the interest rate? 2003, I saw Industry Insider getting pretty smoking deal just under 4%. It was actually 5.3%. So 5.3% in 2003 was the 45-year low. We're still a point and a half, point and a quarter below those levels. There's no doubt that interest rates seriously low. And, and I'm reminded of that when people call in that have, hey, when you have a 5 or 6% interest rate and you're finally reaching out to refinance, um, you've had your head in the sand for a pretty good amount of time here. And when you learn that it can be accomplished for 4%, most of those people are thrilled. Oh, my gosh, I had no idea it was so low. Wow, well, um, too bad you weren't paying attention for the last couple of years here where it was less than that. But it's still ridiculously low. Um, it, it's phenomenally low. And I can't stress enough how many people I talk to every week that have something in the fives or even the sixes that are calling to see if it makes sense to refinance. That always kind of blows my mind. Last two weeks ago, um, the last time I did the show, I shared about a friend who told me every reason why it made no sense to refinance his six and a half percent loans. And, um, I, I couldn't win the argument. I, Evidently, I proved to be ignorant to matters of refinancing, according to this guy. But um, it is all about finding the marriage of the cost to refinance, whether it's coming out of pocket or you're giving up equity. If there are closing costs involved, you got to thoroughly evaluate those against what you're saving in the month, the monthly uh, payment. And we can do no cost loans. I. Uh, spoke with yet another person this week who thought it was just such a unique thing that their bank was reaching out to them, offering them this special no-cost opportunity. I always cringe a little <laughs> bit when people say no-cost. I don't like the term because the cost truly is in the slightly higher interest rate. But so over time, you will, in fact, pay a cost. Uh, but, yes, you may accomplish a refinance today without coming out of pocket or giving up equity, um, it's going to be a higher interest rate than typically what you're seeing advertised. But if that's still less than your current interest rate, you know that's the trick. That's how these banks accomplish that. If you want to learn more about that, I'd encourage you to give us a call this week. Uh, the number to the office here is 543-5626. That's 543-LOAN. That rings to all four of our offices around the county. You can also check in on the, the web here. We're centralcoastlending.com. You'll find all of the stuff on the web, uh, including the ways to get a hold of us there. So if you want to get a second opinion, get a first-time quote, or just find out whether or not it makes any sense for you to refund.
finance. Give us a call, 543-LOAN or centralcoastlending.com. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next week for another episode of Mortgage Matters.